Welcome to the MTFN BizCast, a podcast designed to provide information regarding a variety of legal topics. The attorneys at Meisner, Tierney, Fisher & Nichols host new episodes every month covering topics that are current and relevant to business owners, professionals, and members of the legal community. Although we cannot provide legal advice that you can rely on in these episodes, we do hope that they will be helpful to you if and when you ever do need to seek professional advice. Welcome back to another episode of the MTFM BizCast. I'm James Siznoski, and I'm here with uh, one of our shareholders, Adam Tutai, who is uh, part of our transactional team. Hi, Adam. Hey, James. Now, today we have a special guest on the BizCast. Joining us is Gene Davidson, founder and executive director of the Davidson Yell and Tell Foundation. Gene founded Yell and Tell, a child safety program teaching children to be proactive uh, in dangerous situations. Um, and so she's here to talk about that with us today. Uh, Jean was named the 2015 Citizen of Milwaukee by the Kiwanis Club of Milwaukee for her dedication and passion in carrying the yell and tell message to children everywhere. Jean, welcome to the F- MTFM BizCast. Thank you very much. Yes, yeah, so, uh, very excited to have you here today. Um, I've known Jean since about 2007 uh, when she came to me to uh, for assistance in organizing the Yell and Tell Foundation. Uh, I do a lot of work with um, folks who are looking to form nonprofits, and uh, and certainly, you know, we can help everybody with the, the legal aspects of that and the the tax mechanics of that. Uh, but once people get set up, you know, then they got to run the things. And I've had the pleasure of working with Gene since 2007, and uh, probably since about 2009 or so. I've been on the board as a volunteer, so no longer their lawyer, but uh, uh, a volunteer board member for the organization. And I've no got longer to see- just their lawyer, right? What's that? No longer just their lawyer. No longer just the lawyer, correct. Um, uh, and uh, I've gotten to see Gene firsthand, you know, working as a, as, as a board member and then executive director and founder and uh, and watch the organization, you know, grow and, and, and flourish and thought, you know, what might be interesting for folks who are thinking about forming a nonprofit are, it would be, what are some of the actual day-to-day and operational things you have to think about? What's going to make an organization successful besides just the legal aspects? Um, so really delighted to have Gene here today to speak to that. Gene, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your your background and um, where you come from. Okay. Well, my name's Gene Davidson, and I'm very blessed to be the granddaughter of the founder of Harley Davidson. And let's see, I've been a school teacher my whole life. I love special ed. I've taught everything from college level down to kindergarten, but mostly special needs. I like to work with special needs. Um, I've taught for a lot of different colleges, writing curriculum for the state of Wisconsin, and it's all been great. I've had a great life. So, Gene, tell, uh, tell everybody about the Yell and Tell Foundation. What is its mission, and what does it do? Well, first of all, I should tell you how it came about. In 2006, my four-year-old grandson died in a water accident, and there was an eight-year-old that saw these two little four-year-olds fall in the water, but he did what most kids do. He ran to hide. First of all, they weren't supposed to be down there, And he didn't want to get yelled at or in trouble. 
So he ran home, was running through the kitchen to hide in his bedroom, but his mom said, hey, where's Ryder? And so he did say, and she ran outside the door screaming, and my son, which had been Ryder's dad, heard him, ran down. He saved one of the four-year-olds, but it wasn't his own little boy. So, of course, we're all very, very sad. And being a school teacher, I came back and started talking to the police departments and everybody I could think of. Do they see this often? Is this common behavior? Which I already knew it is because of teaching. And really, the positive side is that I decided to teach children, if I could, in any way I could, not to be afraid and run, but yell. Tell someone. You can be running while you're telling, but tell someone what you've seen. Very, very hard for children that are afraid of their mom or their dad yelling at them. Um, So now I've taught all over the world. I'm very lucky because being the granddaughter of the founder of Harley-Davidson, I've written, I'm known as their historian, so I've written books on Harley-Davidson. So I get flown around by dealers And after 2007, 2008, they all heard this story, what happened, and they would invite me to their dealership, and they would set up schools. So I would go, yes, I would do a talk to Harley people, um, and then they would put me on a motorcycle and ride to the grade school and get to go in and teach yell and tell. So that's kind of how it grew so big, which I'm thrilled, very thrilled, very thankful to all these people that helped spread it. Absolutely. And uh, what made you decide to create the foundation? I understand you you had some folks you worked with who uh, were advisors, and everyone was telling you, Go set a foundation up. What? Yep. What? what uh... Go see Adam. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> they uh... sent me here because your firm has a great reputation for doing this. And once I came, and you know I'm a novice, so I walk in perfectly cold, and you walked me through what I need to do: get a board. Things I would never have thought of. I just wanted to teach children to tell someone if they saw something dangerous. Very simple. And then they can be a hero. They get a hero T-shirt. Nice. Um, And the the legal framework, getting getting that that is kind of new territory to everybody. But then – and the lawyers can – you know, they certainly can advise through all the steps. But then ultimately, you know – as the founder, you got to go out and implement all that. And um, yes. when, when you know when you were faced with all that and figuring out how I'm going to grow that organization, just to start, how did you go about finding your board? How did you identify and recruit board people to 
help you and work with you? What did you do? Should I answer truthfully? Absolutely. We're not under oath, but absolutely. (laughs) Okay. I asked anybody that I knew, (laughs) any, all my friends. I would ask my friends because I knew that they wouldn't turn me down. And they were great promoters. They really helped me a lot. I got my daughter to be the secretary. Another daughter helped write books. So, yeah, I depended on my friends. I didn't ask them at the time, oh, are you a marketing major? (laughs) Well, and that's one of the things that people um, don't always appreciate that, at least under Wisconsin law, if you want to form a foundation, generally they're a non-stock corporation. And the rule is you need to have a minimum of three members to your board of directors. So even if you really were keen to undertake a charitable enterprise, you literally can't do it all by yourself. You do need to have at least two other people on that board with you to, uh, to, to form that. And um, you do what everybody I, I, I see does, which is, yeah, you, you start with the people you know who won't say no. Uh, they won't friends, say no. Family, um, uh, but then eventually, you know, you do have to start to expand out and right. think about, you know, the different, uh, you know, especially skill sets. Um, you know, what's, I guess for you, what's been the most surprising thing you've learned about running a nonprofit over the last 15 plus years now? It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but everybody's wonderful. Everybody has bent over backwards. They help me to learn. They help me to, well, you could do it this way. And there are wonderful people out there like Serve. Um, that came forward and said, I can help you. I'll teach you how to fundraise. I never fundraised anything. Um, And same with being on TV or radio, Carol Meekins. They bent over backwards. You know, Carol had come to my house. And after she got through going, you don't have any curtains. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. People have been wonderful, and they still are. I mean, after all these years, um, they've come and they've gone. Some have died, but they've new people still come forward and say, "I can help you." Yellentel just went to the Philippines, and the pictures coming back from the Philippines are great. Just makes me very happy. Is there anything about running a nonprofit uh, entity that you wish you'd known earlier? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) But it wouldn't change my mind. I'm just a slow learner when it comes to I'm old. So it's it's, it's not like I'm a 22-year-old that can pick stuff up real fast. So people have been really, really helpful in saying, oh, I'll do that for you. And we used to use a lot of interns from Marquette. They used to have an entrepreneurship program. So I had interns from there, UWM. Um, they're all good. Interns from Wisconsin Lutheran. And Cardinal Stretch, which is no more. 
Well, I won't say your age, although you are older than 22. I'll say that much. I'm 85. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm very thankful to but, be uh, 85. But uh, I, I would say that um, one thing you had that I would say the advantage over 22 year olds is a is a tenacity and a focus that uh, yes. um, many lack, and uh, they, that has served you well. What advice would you give others? Uh, you know, if they're looking to you know form a nonprofit organization, they're starting from scratch here, and you know you're now kind of at the other side of things. Now you have a you know by all all accounts, I mean 15 plus years. Um, yeah. You know, always you know sort of. Positive, uh, you know, uh, growth uh, over 15 years. I mean, it's a, it's been a successful organization. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who's, you know, you know, finds themselves in maybe similar circumstances? They've, they've, they've had an event in their life that's really motivated them that they want to do something, change something, and you know, they now know. Well, boy, I got to form a structure. I got to get an organization. You know, um, you know, looking back now to 2007, you know, you know, and, and where you started from, and now where you are. What would you say to somebody who wanted to start, you know, if they come to you for advice and say, Gene, what do I what do I need to do to get where you are here? Find a good lawyer. Well, that's all oh, you're being very kind to. You. That's that's part of it. But uh no, what about the day to day? Because they can direct you in directions where to go get the trademark. Things like that that I would have no idea. Um they're just Find people that are qualified and let them help guide you. Apart from the legal side, what else what else do you think is a makes up rounds out the team? Good marketing. Good marketing. Hard to find. Um a lot of the parents of children that have used Yellowtail and become a hero, those parents are great at spreading the word. Schools, right now with COVID ending, the schools have been a tough place. Talking about you about the program itself. So we, we know uh, Yell and Tell is you know, one of the unique things about Yell and Tell is it's focused on the witness yep. child. It's child focused, but also on the witness. Um, yeah. Uh, tell us about the program. It's, it, you know, what you developed and what, what are the steps and what, what, what is the message? What do you what do you uh, uh, how do you, how do you what's your target audience and and how do you get that across? My target audience is all children. I just want them to learn what to do. They've all seen things. Everybody has seen stuff, and the common reaction it doesn't matter where you live is to run, run. They're usually somewhere they were told not to be. And they don't want to get in trouble. Some way, it'd be nice if parents could get across to their children. It doesn't matter where you are. If you see someone in trouble, you need to tell. You need to come tell someone. Yell for help. And that's really the whole program. Although I was, I work with a lot of police departments and fire departments, and this policeman the other day said, "No, you're wrong, Jean. What it's doing is teaching children to be responsible." I never would have thought of that. That as they grow up, they'll become responsible adults. If they see somebody in trouble, instead of looking the other way. They'll tell somebody. Yeah. 
And uh, I don't I don't think it's that proprietary because we put it out there all the time. What what are the what are the steps to the program? What are, what's the what's the four step uh, oh, message here that we see uh, something, hmm? feel scared? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Yell help and tell someone. Very simple. And you take that simple message of what you you know see it, feel, feel it, it, yell, yell tell, yeah. and you've. Put it in the context of a you know a couple a of different sort. Oh, a song too, but then a song. <laughs> uh, which which what well, maybe we'll get to with the microphones. Here. We'll we'll let you do that later. Um, but um, but you, you put in some really context specific environments. You've got uh, certain modules or uh, you know draw yeah, uh, water, programs. fire, poison, guns, child enticement, and parties. The little kid that goes downstairs and. There's the party going on and the beer and the, <laughs> and the little kid, scared, goes back up and says, oh, they're having a party in the basement. <laughs> in addition to, uh, so these the, you have the modules you take into schools. You've also written some books now, too, for the Yell and Tell series. So what, yes. what, do you want to tell us a little about the, 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 the books you've written and how that came to be? Well, the first, Lori's a co-author because she's also a school teacher. And now she's a children's librarian. <laughs> so she's the co-author with me. The first book was Trouble at the Lake because of water. That's how Ryder died in water. So that was our first book. Then the police started coming to me. School teachers came and said, you need one on child enticement. So that was the second book. Third book was Trouble at the Playground, Bullying, Big Issue. Party book, yeah. which is the children sing a party going on. Yeah. And then, we just, we just oh, then the police came and said, you got one on the lake, but the statistics show that more children die in a pool than in a lake or a river. So I wrote the pool book, and that's the most popular of all the books. And one of the things I know the organization does, and it's on our on the website, um, is we collect uh, hero stories. Yes, it's um, wonderful. How many of those do we have now uh, after, uh, you know, 15 years? Hundreds and hundreds of children. And they get in Waukesha, because it was taught in all the Waukesha schools, their school board had an event and all the children that have ever been a yell and tell hero got honored. Well, Watosa did it at their council meeting. Um, usually it's at the school. Uh, it's been really hard with COVID to do any kind of an honor ceremony. But the children are so, they love it. Do you have a couple examples you can give us that stand out that we can, we can share? There are so many. Um, little girl up in West Bend learned yell and tell because we put our books in libraries. And the father taking the book out of the library up there and read it to her every night. She saw a little boy playing in the street. And she went and got help. And they got him out of the street and called me up. So I drove up to West Bend, gave her a hero award. I love the hero awards. You, a lot of times they're done in the school, 
in front of the rest of the whole school. And then all these little kids put their hand up. <laughs> I did this. I did that. It's wonderful. But I usually, I have to get the parents' permission. Sure. I've never had a parent say no. What, one more of those legal hoops we have to jump through in terms of getting releases and authorizations for uh, sharing our success stories. And uh, yeah. uh, But as you say, they're, they're usually delighted to do so. And, uh, um, and a lot of them are – those stories are available on the website where you can see a number of the uh, um, number, number of the ones that we've gotten uh, – um, uh, been reported back to us. That's true. I do – that came right from you to tell me to be sure and get permission. From the parents before you stand up in front of a school and give a child a hero T-shirt, they get a hero T-shirt and a hero certificate. So, in it, uh, in terms of growing the organization and kind of going to the next level and all these other things, you know, one of the things that I think people aren't always uh, prepared for when it comes to, um, you know, when they're starting that organization and growing it beyond their own efforts and their own sweat that they put into it, and you put plenty in. Um, how does one go about the difficult sort of asking for money, you know, just going out there and putting your hand out and asking for donations? What are the things that um, your your organization has done in terms of, like, fundraising? We fundraise only once a year. I'm not going to start sending letters out every month. We only fundraise once a year, and usually I just focus on the heroes, pictures of the heroes and what your money does. And we're, lately, this last year, my newest thing is uh, partnering. I partnered with the Salvation Army. So they do all the teaching for me in Wisconsin and Michigan. I provide them with the materials. So as long as I can keep getting money in, I give out the materials for free. Mm-hmm. rather than charging the Salvation Army. Let's see, I also partnered with Reach a Child out of Madison, another one that provides my books to school resource officers, which is great. There are cops and kids, another one. I think I've, I'm right now I'm in the process of partnering with the Rehab Center part of Children's Hospital. They're working out a plan where they can work it in with their children. But as long as I can bring money in, it just turns around it to be materials and goes back out. One of my biggest partners are Kiwanis, Wauwatosa Kiwanis and Milwaukee Kiwanis. They both are wonderful every year. No one gets paid yelling, as Adam knows. It's a you know that's it's one of the things having a volunteer board and yeah, it's important to get the right people because your life gets immeasurably easier from a legal standpoint oh. when you don't have salaries involved. the The code is set up in such a way that you know they try to avoid what to use the fancy legal terms private inurement and private benefits. So they don't want to see yeah. managers and administrators getting paid unless they're you know not affiliated with the organization and it's fair market value, but life gets so much easier if it can be all volunteer. And all volunteer. Um, in order to get volunteers, you you, 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 you got to have that winning personality that you do to get people to, to not say no. I beg uh, a lot. 
And beg, and beg a lot. Beg a lot. Um, but uh, it's hard because then you're asking people to give up their time. Well, what you describe here of partnering, especially with other charitable organizations, you know, it's a great way of ensuring that your organization has a, some succession and, you know, um, an existence that existence that's going to go beyond the founder. I hope so. Um, you know, by having a program and materials and training trainers, you know, I knew this was something that was you know, near and dear to you to make sure that that program lasts beyond you. And and with Jean today is her is her daughter Lori Walker, who's also on the board and is the secretary. Um, Lori, one of the things I know you do is you keep track of uh, you know collecting all of our hero stories, uh, which the organization uh, collects. We we promote. We obviously get appropriate legal releases for that, as as Jean noted. Um, but you know nothing helps to you know promote the organization and bring in donations, like seeing the mission in practice to see success and see what it can do. Tell us about some of the stories that uh, that stick out to you of our uh, uh, the, of the program. Sure, anyone can be a hero, and many um, kids have their hero stories, even if it wasn't from one of the books. Uh, our program started because of drowning, because of my um, nephew Ryder drowning when he was four. Um, wish there would have been a hero story involved with that, but unfortunately, uh, the other boy didn't, was, you know, he didn't know enough to yell and tell, which is what we promote and what we try to teach. But um, some of my favorite ones, uh, one was the boy was playing with matches, and we know fire is so attractive to children, and he lit a Kleenex box on fire. And then when he saw that it was kind of going ablaze, he shoved the entire Kleenex box under the living room chair. And luckily, he's not going to tell, but his sister was watching this whole, you know, ex experiment go uh, a fire and she ran and got help and yelled and told and saved probably the entire house from going up in smoke so um, that's just one example we don't have a book on fire but we have a program about fire and really yell and tell can be used for any dangerous situation we're trying to teach kids to be proactive to be responsible when they see something dangerous uh, to yell and tell uh, my daughter, she yelled and told at a water park. So her sister was in the hot tub and she had a life jacket on, but decided, oh, I'm going to sit on my life jacket, took it off. I'm looking the other way, talking to friends. She put her legs through the life jacket instead of her arms and proceeded to dunk her head under and we know that water is a silent killer. You can't yell and tell when you're the drowning victim. That's that's not how it happens. Water is a silent killer. And her head was under. And luckily, my daughter, who's a year younger, yelled to me. I was in the hot tub as well. But you just have to be looking the other way and yell, Mom, help, help. And we grab Maria and pull her back up. So you can be a yell and tell hero in almost any case. And sometimes they can be a slight thing. Um, we've had yell and tell heroes with grandpa having a heart attack. We've had yell and tell heroes, a uh, child running out in the street. We've had some bullying ones going for help on a playground. If you see, you know, someone being bullied, don't just watch, go, go get help, go get an older person. Uh, we say a bigger person, a big person to go get help. In terms of identifying and recruiting board members, the, the easiest and the best way is to find people you know and you like and like you and won't say no. Um, once you start to expand that skill set and um, 
uh, try to find kind of more skilled positions and people have, you know, certain specialized knowledge. Um, how do you go about organizing on the board? So, I mean, when you, do you, do you, you know, do you, have you found that, you know, creating committees has been helpful and what kind of committees do you have? Yes, good question. I was looking back at my notes from when we started uh, in Ryder died in 2006, and it looks like we started meeting in about 2008, about two years later, mom had this, this vision of making a difference, of trying to do something, anything. And we were all at that point, you know, being school teachers, what can we do? What can we teach? Um, and, and how can we do it? And I just, mom was the president then. We when we started the organization, meeting with Adam and realized that she can't really be the president, she should be the executive director. So we promoted her to that spot and um, then found a president who was a retired police officer that mom knew from Harley Davidson. So Jeff Haig became the president. I was the secretary from day one. I didn't mind taking notes, driving down to Milwaukee, meeting at Adam's office. Um, we usually met bi-monthly. So every other month we'd meet six times a year seemed to work for our organization. Uh, I think we had a treasurer that was my mom's banker or retired banker at the time. So she talked okay Johnson into being the treasurer. And um, then we had a vice president. So it's nice to have some succession plan with that. So we started out with our officers. Mom became executive director. And then uh, committees, I was looking and said, should have committees in my notes, you know, hmm, question mark. And um, so we did have some committees. Uh, we had uh, the marketing, which has always been hard hard for our organization. We've always kind of struggled with that. We've tried to find good marketing people, good social media people. We've had interns. Uh, we, so we tried to find people that um, had some interest, some skill level, uh, went to colleges, found um, kids involved with that, and then found, you know, mom said, in the beginning, friends and family. That's your first best bet right there. Friends and family. Who do you know? Who believes in the passion? It is a lot of work to be on an organization um, that we found. It's a, it's a lot. So who do you know? Who's going to stick with you? Um, who believes in the mission? <laughs> Who can promote it? Uh, so Kiwanis has been huge for m mom and, and going to, she goes to the Kiwanis meetings, became friends with those people, and they were huge in, in setting her up with different, um, you know, schools and organizations and, um, that one um, person, you know, from Tosa Kiwanis, he's like, oh, my, you know, I would like to donate money for bags. I think, you know, having the bags and the backpacks, he's, and he's just like, I'll, I'll help you with that. So um, going to your service organizations, going to friends and family, um, yeah, other committees, you know, I think that marketing is a huge one. Social media now is huge. Doing that, that would be probably my biggest one, public relations, publicity, finding someone that can do that for you if you have events. We used to do a lot more events, but we don't do as many now. Um, that was probably another big committee. Well, Laura, you, you've been on the board nearly as long as Gene, uh, the, 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 the whole full 15 years. Um, and you've obviously been, you know, as you say, in the secretarial role. So you've had a, you know, kind of a full on corporate officer position. You've had to deal with putting together board minutes every year, mm -hmm. learning, you know, rules of procedure and order and, you know, r running the meetings. Right. Um, what's some advice you would give to others if they were looking to form a nonprofit from scratch and they came to you and said, Lori, you've been doing this for a while. What, what do I need to do? What should I do? 
right? Some of it is, is like mom says, boots on the ground. You know, who's going to do the actual work? Who's going to show up to the meetings? Who's going to put together the minutes? You know, find people that have staying power. But we have had, we've had plenty of turnover too. You know, people move on. We did have um, our advisory committee. So when they no longer want to be on the board, we asked them, do you want to be on our advisory committee and move them to less, you know, functional everyday role so that they could still be helping. A lot of people um, chose to do that. And just keeping um, connections with people that come to our um, notice that, you know, maybe they don't want to be on the board, but they wanted to be helping in some way. We still have lots of friends and family that do that. So I'd say keep your eyes open for people like that. But uh, definitely find people who believe in your mission, whatever it is. Uh, we've had teachers that have taught yell and tell year after year. We went out for lunch with somebody and, and my Mom introduced herself and she's like, oh, yeah, I teach yell and tell at my school. And we're like, what? what? You know, we did not know she did that. But having a website that they can go to, um, promoting your ideas, and your materials. So right now our focus is we created a backpack, which is like a discovery kit. And we put our seven books. We have five books plus two that we made in Spanish. And with a puppet, Squawk, our puppet and our mascot. Uh, and we put that in that discovery kit and we promoted it to libraries. So we went on uh, the Wisconsin Library. Uh, website and said, here's a free free materials, that free backpack that you can get from our organization. So we've had a lot of success with that, with the Discovery Backpacks. And um, it's just another way. We're promoting it to daycares, um, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, Safe Kids, anywhere that we think that would have some impact. I just talked to a lady today from Prevea. She has a child um, wellness screening that they do um, every year for kids under five. And she was thrilled that they could have books, that they could distribute through that. So um, look around, you know, see who you can make connections with. I think that really helps your organization grow. As you noted, uh, one thing about the organization, it is just giving stuff away. And uh, <laughs> and that's does. obviously what, you know, makes it, yeah. um, you know, a charitable organization. Um, uh, and for, you know, the, the, the different categories of charitable organizations that are out there, there's a variety of them. We fall within that category of called educational foundations. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, we are out there to promote an educational purpose to children. We're not a school, but we go to schools and it's an, it's an educational um, program. That's one of the most common exemption forms. And mm -hmm. it helps enormously when you don't, you don't pay the directors, you don't pay mm -hmm. the officers, everyone's volunteer okay. and every dollar goes into the program yep. and just is sort of given away to the public. Right. It's, 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 it's made to, 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 to advance that mission. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still remember working with Gene boy back in, this was now 2007. We were working on just getting the exemption together and um, we're sitting doing the um, uh, form uh, what's called the form uh, 1023. It's the application for exempt status. Mm -hmm. um, and, most are pretty straightforward, and but you do have to describe your charitable purpose because mm -hmm. you know not every a lot of people want to form an organization, but you know not not sometimes what mm -hmm. they think is a charitable purpose isn't always a charitable purpose. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember just trying to you know, and I, I often work with clients, and I'll I'll, I'll have them kind of fill it out first and tell their story, mm -hmm. and you know what I'll do is I'll clean it up and make it uh, put it a little more you know formal matter. And I remember sitting with Gene saying, you know, what what's the goal of the mission? What's the what's the what what which we say is the the foundation's mission, and we want to come with a different mission. But I remember her first response right at the gate was, "I don't want any more sad grandmas." And oh. I just thought to myself, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna get exempt status. I'm oh. not worried about the IRS challenging that." Uh, but we we refined oh. it to the educational purpose. That was her first 
combat night. And I just thought, you know, I was half tempted to put that on the application, honestly. Um, But we wound up uh, refining that to, you know, speak in more regulatory terms. But uh, uh, I would have have been okay with no more sad grandmas. I would have been okay with that. And I think that really speaks to having a passion and a purpose, right? That that's what drives her. I mean, because right at eighty-five, you know that to stick with it that long and it, to really have that that drive to keep doing it, and because she was a sad grandma, and, and it's really hard to tell that story when we go in schools. Really hard. That's our family's tragedy that we have to share to kind of make it touch home with kids of how important this is. We don't want your family to have a sad story like our family did, and you hear about them all the time: the drownings, the gun shots, the you know, there's so many sad things, but if we can, you know, that's kind of what pushes us and keeps us going mm-hmm. is that we really are, want that prevention. We really want that prevention. Learn it, use it. It's an easy program, four simple steps. Um, and we, you really want to go over and over with your own kids, you know, to do those four easy steps because they, you want it to be instinctual. You know, our kids grew up with it because that's all they hear, yell and tell, yell and tell. You know, even my girls that are in high school, oh, you saw bullying, yell and tell. You know, you saw vaping in the bathroom, yell and tell. So you can do it at any age and, you know, definitely um, spread the message. So I I do actually have one question right here. And this one's actually for Adam. Adam, you've spent time with this organization, not merely as an attorney, but you've participated as a board member. What have you learned working with yell and tell and uh, then being on the board about you running a nonprofit? Sure. Oh, you know, uh, just that it's there, there really is a difference between the you know the legalities and the the formation and running it day to day. It really is um, you know it's it's got to be something that uh, you derive kind of a real independent satisfaction out of. And you know it's and it's not you know, in my case wasn't it it was partly Gene is very hard to say no to. I won't I won't kid you. Um, uh, but uh, but you know having worked with her putting that application together, boy, I mean I was very moved by the story by the mission and it you know and to see how she attracted this, you know, constellation of folks, you know, to be her, you know, uh, her volunteer board members, they don't get paid. And yet they would spend, you know, hours a month, you know, at least an hour and a half, two hours every other month at a board meeting, putting out ideas, you know, and because they all had that belief in, you know, in Gene. And, you know, and and to me, that was, you know, that told me this was a, uh, this was a worthwhile uh, endeavor. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, the way I can contribute was to help, you know, bring some kind of legal shape to some things here but again uh, but really that's the the real drive though it it, it comes from you know uh, obviously it comes primarily from gene but then all the folks that have to implement the program it's still the, the the legal stuff is the is the is the shape but you got to have a you got to have a substance to it too and it's the program it's the mission and uh and you know having so many teachers on the board and uh seeing how they've shaped that mission promoted it gotten out to the public um it's been used for me when I now work with clients, you know, in, you know, um, other nonprofit endeavors. And, you know, I can speak a little more clearly now to what it takes to run it day to day. And I'll be honest, there's a lot of times I get calls uh, about people who want to set up a board and they want to set where they want to set up an organization, I should say. And a lot of times I'll stress to them, you know, you if you've if you've got just something you want to do that's a little more discreet, maybe work with a donor advised fund. You know, maybe give your money to an existing organization because starting your own, anyone can start them. They're they're not super hard to start, but to maintain it, to grow it, 
you know, you may be actually better off, you know, maybe just donating some money to an existing organization or promoting it um, because it really does take uh, uh, just a, an enormous amount of effort to really run these kinds of things, uh, especially, again, if you're not going to have somebody, unless you get to a point where you're paying somebody to do it. It it really is a labor of love, and I you know just in and not not exactly on point, but not unrelated. I don't think I've at least in the last twelve years since we've started doing like t-shirts and hats and things like that. I've never seen Gene not wearing a yell and tell item of clothing, right? right? In twelve years, yeah. I mean, since we started yeah. doing t-shirts oh, yeah. or hats or jackets or patches. Yeah. That yep. that that is what she wears. <laughs> yeah. On family vacations, we'll all have our yell and tell shirts on. And yes, this last one, she's like, "What about hats? Should everybody be wearing their hat?" <laughs> okay, great, yay! <laughs> but she is a number one. You have to have someone like that from the top down. Really do have someone that is the driving force, or like you said, just give your money to some other driving force because it is. We always thought we were going to get an office somewhere. It's her bedroom, so her back bedroom is our office and her computer. And yeah, so it, you, you you can try, but you really have to have that driving force. I would definitely agree with that. Someone's got to run the show. And you can try to hire an executive director. They're out there. You can hire them. But, you know, they might come and go and they're expensive. And if you don't have that kind of funds, you know, that might not work for you either. So, you know, it definitely is from, you know, the ground up. But, you know, having that executive director that is firmly the the cog of the wheel that makes everybody else spin around. And she is definitely that person. So thanks for tuning into this episode of the BizCast. And I want to thank uh, Adam for being here and uh, Gene and Lori for coming and talking about their organization. And if you want to check out their organization, the website is yellandtell.com. Um, you know, I'm sure they'd be happy to hear from you. And if you have any questions for, uh, either Adam or myself, um, you know, our contact information can be found on our website, mtfn.com. Again, Jean and Lori, thank you so much for, um, for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this MTFN BizCast. For more information, please visit our website, mtfn.com. There you can access other podcast episodes, articles, and the contact information for our attorneys. To keep up to date with Meisner, Tierney, Fisher, and Nichols, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. <laughs>